Hello, good morning, and welcome to Wake Up to the Word. This is episode Old Testament 39 coming to you on Thursday, and we are so glad you're here as we are broadcasting to you from the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex. So glad you're here. Technically, we're not broadcasting, we're recording, but uh, we're still glad you're here. So, uh, come on in, the water's fine. Uh, Collecting my uh, gifts from all of you. Uh, Just an update, we are uh, over uh, 950 and headed to 1,000, and we are so excited to hit that mark, and, uh, and, um, so, uh, I think 964 was our last, my last check, and, uh, so we're very excited, and, uh, thank you for sharing, thank you for listening, thank you for all my gifts, uh, very fun, uh, to do this, and, uh, we hope you're enjoying the teaching as well as, the silliness so uh yes glad you like it um so without uh any further ado our reading for today uh for this week is in the old testament uh, leviticus 23 through 27 and that finishes up leviticus and then we read the first four chapter of numbers the numbers is challenging let me tell you so uh uh, maybe not uh, the depth of theology, but challenging as uh, why we have all these numbers. Um, but we will talk about that a little bit as we go. But um, let's get into the Word of God and uh, let's wrestle with some of this stuff. So um, here we go. Uh, we start in 23. Uh, Leviticus 23 has uh, some great stuff going on as we see that uh, the feasts of the Lord are being laid out. <clears throat> Starts off with the Sabbath. And this is a reiteration from the Ten Commandments uh, as we see that six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. Convocation gathering. You shall uh, do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. So, so again, the reiteration of the Sabbath, the day of rest. This is an important aspect. This is an important principle from God that we have a day of rest. Six days you work, seven day you rest. And um, that rest is very important. It's not only important for you <clears throat> physiologically, it's important theologically in that we understand that we have our work that we do, and many of us work very hard towards uh, life, um, but and we strive for that eternity, uh, but we have our rest in Christ, and so taking that rest is a great reminder of that. <clears throat> The Passover feast, we've talked about that, and especially during Passion Week, we talked about that at detail, but uh, this uh, twilight and the Lord's Passover on the first month and the 15th day, that same month, the Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, takes place there. That's during the Passover. They are technically two different feasts, but 
they do they are intertwined and often spoken of as the same so the passover is the meal the feast of unleavened bread is what follows it so it's not uh it's not necessarily they they're two separate things but one is connected to the other so um then there's the feast of first fruits and that is uh starting at verse 9 in Leviticus 23 uh it says uh you shall bring, um, when you come into the land <clears throat> that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priests. So this is, if you understand the context of when we are, this is still at Mount Sinai. Uh, they are still going to journey 40 years in the desert. And he's giving these instructions about the land they are to go in. He's anticipating the harvest. He's anticipating <clears throat> when they get into their land. And this is what they're supposed to do. When you come into the land. So uh, they have all these rules. They they kept them and understood them for all of that time. And uh, and then as they entered in, they... they uh, participated in these uh the the laws of the feast excuse me so the feast of weeks uh you shall count seven full weeks from the day after the sabbath from the day you brought the sheaf of in of the wave wave offering you shall count 50 days to the day that the uh, after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. So, why is that significant? You, you might hear Boston running around in here. So, <clears throat> this is highly significant in that um, this links to Acts chapter 2, and this links to Pentecost. I'll talk a little bit about this when we, uh, uh, we have Pentecost Sunday um, in the last message in our series, Passover to Pentecost. Uh, I'm going to come back to this chapter, chapter 23 of Leviticus, uh, because long before they ever entered the promised land, long before, uh, right out of Mount Sinai, right after they were in the desert, they were promised this feast or told to keep this feast of weeks. <clears throat> and uh, they call it the uh, Shavuot, the harvest, harvest, uh, um, the Harvest Festival, um, Shavuot, and that means weeks. So, uh, but this is what the Jews call it. And I have uh, a doc in Jeff's stack of stuff. So, if you go to the link in Jeff's stack of stuff, you will see that document that I told you about. But this is this is a uh, significant in that uh, they celebrate this. Uh, it's the it's basically the Jewish Pentecost, but they look at it a little different. They bring their first fruits, <clears throat> and all the, everyone's supposed to participate in this. And it says uh, the Exodus. I'm going to read from the article here. The Exodus from Egypt, uh, which Passover celebrates, marked the beginning of the physical freedom for Jewish people. But Shavuot weeks is reminder for the Jews that physical liberation was incomplete without spiritual redemption represented by receiving God's law 
for the Jews and for us. Pentecost is the start of the church. If you do not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you don't have God's law written on your heart by the Holy Spirit, that's what the new covenant has, is that you don't have to go by the letter because God's law will be written on your heart. How does it get written on your heart? Because the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Shavuot is, uh, is also called Atzeret, which means completion. <clears throat> because together with Passover, it forms the completion of a unit. Jews gain their freedom from Egypt by on Passover in order to receive Torah on Shavuot. So uh, read through that article. It also talks about how they celebrate that today, the Jews. So it's a, it's a cool, uh, cool article. Um, but where I want to take that is that's from a Jewish perspective, and I grabbed it for that. <clears throat> because they look at the law as that completion. But we know that the completion happened when Christ died on the cross. He said, it is finished. Then when he uh, rose, that made it possible for the church to be. And then Jesus breathed on the disciples and uh, gave them the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And then throughout Acts, we're going to see as we read, there were different representations of the Holy Spirit given. And then, then as the New Testament church goes on, we see that the Holy Spirit comes at your time of salvation. And even though there's um, more seemingly manifestations of the Holy Spirit that might happen within you or others, uh, there's not a new baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a, a more a filling of the Holy Spirit. It's not that you get more of the Holy Spirit. It's that you surrender more of your life. There's, a, there's more of you surrendering to what God has put in you. The completeness of your salvation is in you, but you're surrendering to it. And so that's why James says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, is that you have to, as you're in your sanctification process, you continually surrender more and more and more of your life and your heart and your habits and your, and your walk to God. And you become more and more Christ-like. That doesn't mean you have more spirit. It means you have less you. I hope that I hope that resonates with you because John the Baptist said that very clearly for us. He must increase and we must decrease. So as this transpires, we see ourselves surrendering and submitting more uh, different areas of our life, more of our of our life, more of ourself because the Holy Spirit indwells us and is has written the law on our hearts, and we are surrendering to that. Um, so that's cool. Um, <clears throat> that's just a great part of this. And what we what we uh, often fail to understand, and this is why discipleship is important, and this is why Jesus said for us to make disciples, is not because once you have salvation, uh, just like the Jews, you're in the desert. Uh, the Jews were freed from bondage, but were in the desert. And so they needed to have to understand more of what God wanted for them, more of God's direction in their life. That's the same thing that happens with every person who believes. They don't automatically understand everything. They don't automatically know everything. They actually come from being told a whole different set of rules from the world to salvation. They're now in the wilderness where they don't even know what 
the new choices are. They don't even know what the new direction is. So they they wander in the wilderness. And that's why discipleship is so important. That's why Christ called us to make disciples, not to make converts. So that, I hope, resonates with you, uh, that um, you, get, you get to understand that because um, otherwise we leave people out in the desert. Uh, we may ask them to to pray and receive Christ, and they may sincerely give their heart over to Christ, but then they're left wandering in the desert, uh, <clears throat> just like Israel. And and there's lots of lots of things occurred there that we can uh, talk about uh, another time. But um, we'll talk about that when we get to Deuteronomy. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, Deuteronomy. Yeah. Okay, Feast of Trumpets. Um, and, and this is also, uh, very cool. Back to the Feast of Weeks. Uh, this is so long before this. This is thousands of years before Acts chapter two. And so I think it's like 1500 years. So this Acts chapter, God is giving them this layout of how they're supposed to do things. And then 1500 years later, Acts, Acts chapter two occurs and the Holy Spirit comes right on this 50th day that they're celebrating within their Pentecost. They come and they, we call it Pentecost and we relate it to the Holy Spirit. They call it Pentecost because it's part of their Feast of Weeks. It's um, it's them celebrating getting the law. And so uh, the completion of their, their exodus. <clears throat> okay, Feast of Trumpets, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel, saying, seventh on this, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with a blast of trumpets, a holy and a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. Interesting little word added in there, ordinary work. And you shall present a food offering to the Lord. So seventh day, seventh month, Feast of Trumpets seems like it's a shorter one. Day of Atonement comes next, uh, 26. We're still in, in chapter 23. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, now on the 10th day of the seventh month, so this is kind of an addition to the Feast of Trumpets, um, <clears throat> is the Day of Atonement. It shall be it shall be for you, you time of holy convocation and you shall afflict yourself. Did some research on that one. Uh, I didn't put it in Jeff's stack of stuff because it's really kind of a short thing. Um, the uh, Jeff's stack of stuff. Yeah, it's not there, so I didn't give the reverb. Well, I did, but not the first time, so sorry. <laughs> okay, so uh, the uh, now the 10th day of the seventh month in the day is the day of atonement. It shall be a time for a holy convocation. You shall afflict yourself and present a food offering to the Lord. And uh, best scholars that I could read, most of them say uh, it's a time of fasting. They connect it to the food offering that you're supposed to fast. You're not eating and you're giving the food offering to the Lord. So that's the connection that it says there. And you shall not uh, do any work on that on that very day, for it is a day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whoever is not afflicted on that day, on that very day, shall be cut off from the people. So if you're not fasting, if you're if you're eating, uh, then uh, 
you're not part of the you're not part of the process. You're cut off from the people, and whoever does does any work on that day, that person uh, I will destroy from among the people. That's pretty hefty price. You shall not do any work. It's a statute forever throughout your generations in all of your dwelling places. <clears throat> it shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict yourself. Again, uh, you shall fast on the ninth day of the month, beginning at evening, from evening to evening shall you keep your Sabbath. So it's a one-day complete fast, it looks like, and you uh, offer that food offering up to the Lord. So that's seems that that's the Day of Atonement. That's what goes on then, and I'm sure there's a lot more been been placed on it rabbinically through the years, and we can do some research on that. Um, Feast of Booths. This one's interesting. I've had some friends that have participated in that, Messianic <clears throat> believers participated in that. And it kind of constitutes, uh, this is on the 15th day of the seventh month, and for seven days is the Feast of Booths to the Lord. And uh, you shall not do any ordinary work. Again, it's, it's another uh, seven-day break from work. For seven days you shall present food offerings to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall hold a holy convocation and present a food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and you shall not do any ordinary work. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord. And this Feast of Booths is uh, how they kind of celebrate it. Is uh, Sometimes they, they stay in a tent. They go to a smaller home it's representing memorial for the 40 days in the desert where they wandered where they were nomads and um so they they uh people have uh, stayed in tents for the seven days and uh and uh um had a solemn time with god during during the that week so um the lamps uh uh, now they're talking about all the different items that go into the tabernacle and uh, into the Holy of Holies and that stuff. So uh, the lamps they're talking about here and the bread for the tabernacle. <clears throat> uh, you shall, this is interesting about the bread. This is the, uh, the show bread. You shall take fine flour and bake 12 loaves from it. Two tenths of an ephed shall be in each loaf and you shall set them in two piles, six in a pile, on the table of pure gold before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each pile. It may go with the bread as a memorial portion, as a food offering to the Lord. Every Sabbath day, Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever, and it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, since it is for him a most holy portion of the Lord's food offering a perpetual due. So they make this bread and it goes into the uh it goes into the um onto the table <clears throat> and it sits there for basically a week. And then Aaron and his family gets it. Uh so the priests get that bread And they get that, uh, and, and that's um, given to the Lord. And you may see later that uh, David and his men go into it and they eat the bread because they come back from battle and, and they were hungry. So 
my stack of stuff cup mug with oh we didn't talk about our coffee of the week uh i used the black rifle again just drip coffee black rifle spirit of 76 good blend so uh, uh go get some of that if you want it's a great uh military uh veteran company hires vets and uh it is a great coffee so that you got that bonus going on but support them uh punishment uh for blasphemy uh now, this is interesting because it uses some terminology here, and, and this is why I'm going to go into this, uh, not because of the punishment necessarily, but because of the distinction that's shown here. Now, an Israelite woman's son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the people of Israel, and the Israelite woman's son <clears throat> and a man of Israelite fought in the camp, and the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name. That's all it says, the name. Not the name of the Lord, the name and cursed. Then they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shelemite, Shelemith, and the daughter of Debri, Dibri, tribe of Dan. And they put him in custody till the will of the Lord, Yahweh there, should be clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, bring out the, bring out the one who was cursed, and so what, what happens is they call this a, a blasphemy. Uh, blasphemes the name of the Lord shall not be, uh, shall surely be put to death. And so it <clears throat> doesn't matter who it is, can't blaspheme the name of the Lord. And so he used the name of the Lord and cursed. That, I think that's the key there. Um, they weren't supposed to speak the name of the Lord, but this is, this is using the name of the Lord and cursing. So... This is, uh, it says, the name. And so they never used the name. They never spoke the name. Um, and so to use, do it with a curse <clears throat> and cursed uh, was the big no-no. So uh, this is interesting, the term the name. And uh, I don't think he used Yeshua. I think he used the name. And so it's... <clears throat> and that does and maybe implements that they were understanding the other Yahweh, the Jesus that they called the name. And so, uh, but it could just be that he used, he spoke the unspoken name of God and then cursed. So, and now we get this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth thing that, that, uh, that is quoted all the time. Uh, people who don't even know they're quoting the Bible, an eye for an eye, two for the truth. Yeah, that's from the Bible. So if you know it's from the Bible, let people know that it's both in the New Testament and the Old. And so it says, uh, whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good. So you make it right. If you kill someone's uh, animal, you make that right. <clears throat> life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor, as he has done, shall be done to him. Fracture. For fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. That's very interesting. I'll be back. Yeah, Arnold, you you get some good business there. They need some big guys like you to come in uh, and uh, implement punishment. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good. Whoever kills a person shall be put to death. You shall have the same rule for the sojourner or the native, for I am the Lord your God. So Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and they brought out of the camp the one who had cursed the stone. And they 
This is when they implemented the action. This is when they parsed out <clears throat> the law in this area when it comes to injury and death and uh, murder and or uh, even manslaughter. So uh, then the Sabbath year, now it talks about uh, the Lord spoke to Moses, when you come into the land, again, we're looking 40 years in the future, when you come into the land, you shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune in the vineyard, uh, gather its fruit, but in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath, a solemn rest for the land. So not just for the people, but also for the land, there's a Sabbath. And farmers still do this even to this day in that they give the land a Sabbath. <clears throat> so usually farmers have different uh, uh, beds or plots that they, they harvest and they rotate the crops in them because some crops uh, do better in different grounds. So they don't want to keep using the same, doing the same crop in the same field all the time. And so they rotate the crops and then there's always one that gets a Sabbath each year. If they have seven different ones, one has a Sabbath. If they don't, but they're still giving one a uh, rest. <clears throat> it's not just a, a law. It's healthy for the land. And so and just let it grow up wild and then turn it under. And, and uh, you can let people reap out of it, whatever they can gather out of it that just grows up wild. And then there's the year of jubilee. This is a this is an, an amazing concept. Um, it says uh, you shall count seven weeks of years, so that is forty nine years, and uh, seven times seven years, so that the time of the seven seven weeks of years shall give you forty nine years. Then you shall sound the loud trumpet on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement. You shall sound the trumpet through all the land, and you shall consecrate a 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. That the 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap nor grow uh, it itself will gather the grapes, the undressed, for it is a jubilee. <clears throat> it shall be holy to you. You may eat the, the produce of the field. In this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his property. So if you may, I'm going to keep reading. If you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another you shall pay your neighbor according to the number of years after the jubilee and he shall sell to you according to the number of the years for crops if the year of are many you shall increase the price and if the years are few you shall reduce the price for it is the number of the crops that he is selling to you you shall not grow one you shall not wrong one another but you shall fear your Lord, for I am the Lord your God. So basically what's saying is the land returns to its original owner. Even if you sold it within that 50, those 50 years, it returns back to the original owner, the original clan, the original people. And so you it's really a rented land. You, you, you The purchase price is agreed upon depending on how many years till the Jubilee, because that's the, only, the time he's going to be able to use it. And then it goes reverts back. So he'll be able to make money off of it, but he has to pay a price 
for the number of years. And they're saying to be fair with each other when it comes to that. If you had a lot of years, then you can have a higher price. If you have a few years, then you have a lower price. Um, interesting concept, the, the Jubilee year. So we don't have a whole lot of time. I'm going to kind of uh, go through this. So there's redemption of property, which we talk about kindness for poor brothers and, and God's, this is God's heart throughout the entire scripture. There's, there's always this uh, kindness for the poor, um, redeeming a poor man, uh, blessings for obedience. This is 26, punishment for disobedience. And uh, then the law laws about vows, about taking vows and, and saying what you mean and, and not going apart. As we come into Numbers, the <clears throat> Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness at Sinai. So we're still there. And then he has them, he numbers up the tribes and we look through the tribes and we see this is a pretty vast number, even though uh, they're counting men. 46,000. Reuben's tribe, I'm just going to go through them fairly quickly here. Reuben's tribe was 46,500. Simeon's tribe was 59,300. Uh, Gad, 45,650. Judah, 74,600. <clears throat> Issachar, 54,400. Zebulun, 57,400. Ephraim, 40,500. Manasseh, 32,200. Benjamin, 35,400. Dan, 62,700. Asher, 41,500. Naphtali, 53,400. And uh, all, all listed all together, 603,550 men. So... There's got to be at least that many women. So you're talking over a million people. Now, you might have noticed that Levi was not listed. We had Manasseh and Ephraim uh, put in the place there. <clears throat> because, and it, it goes right into that in chapter 1, but the Levites were not listed among them by their ancestral tribe. For the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not list. It says, You shall not take a census of them, among the people of Israel, but appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony and over all its furnishings and over all its belongings. They are to carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings and they shall take care of it and shall camp around the tabernacle. So the Levites were in charge of moving that tabernacle, packing it up, breaking it down and reassembling it, and they were in charge of everything in it, and that Levitical priesthood was in charge of that. They were to guard it. They were also to assemble and dismantle. So we get this picture of the Levites being these, you know, priestly people, uh, meek, uh, quiet, not battling, but these were the, the strong people, they guarded the tabernacle. They guarded the Ark of the Covenant. They guarded uh, everything about the tabernacle. This is holiness to them. And they assembled it and broke it down. These were not meek, weak men. These were strong, bold men of action. And they they um, we don't get that picture in our brain for some reason. We we think of Levitical priesthood. So we think of like Catholic priests uh, walking around in their robes and their garb. But that's not what the Levitical priesthood was. They they did the sacrifices. They handled these animals. Uh, the, these were bold men, um, along with the, the uh, priests of Aaron. And they talk about that. And the sons of Aaron, 
the duties of the Levites. It talks about that in chapter 3. And then it goes on to uh, another group of people in chapter 4. And uh, I may talk about that a little bit next week in Old Testament because uh, uh, we're kind of out of time here. Sorry I was a little bit long. And uh, we... Uh, Hope you enjoyed that. I know it was fun going through the, the feasts and all that they mean and how they point to, connect the dots to our own Pentecost, our own uh, celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit, which we do have coming up in a few weeks. So uh, uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, if you don't have a home church, uh, go to, uh, we have uh, in Palm Coast, Life Coast Church, 1030, Matanzas High School Auditorium. So come on out and join us. You can meet me and all the other people there, Pastor Mike, Pastor Holly, Pastor Brian, and uh, we just uh, love to have you. Come on out and uh, say hello. Say, I heard about you on the podcast. So we would love for you to come and join us.